Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. A few years ago, a second grade teacher was doing a science project with her class at the end of the school day. She, she was teaching them, showing them uh, about magnets. So she had a table set up at the front of the classroom with all these different types of of magnets on the table for the students to look at and pick up and play with to see how they work and what they were made of and so forth. So that was the very last thing at the end of that school day that the, the kids had talked about. Next morning, very first thing, right at the beginning of class, a teacher told her students, okay, class, clear off your desks. We're going to have a pop quiz. Now keep in mind, the table with the magnets is still sitting at the front of the classroom, okay? She says, all right, class, clear off your desks. We're going to have a pop quiz. She went around the room and handed out a piece of paper with just one question on it. My full name has six letters. The first letter is M, and I pick up things. What am I? Over half the class wrote mother on that piece of paper. Well, happy Mother's Day to uh, all of our moms this morning. So good to have you with us. Uh, This morning is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to share a short Mother's Day devotion, and then my wife, the matriarch of our family, is going to come join me, and I'm going to ask her some questions about motherhood and her uh, almost uh, coming up on 40 years of, of motherhood uh, and experiences as a mother. And, and look, I, I know that today just isn't about the mom and our family, but I think those of you who know Sue know that without a doubt, her greatest legacy will be how she fulfilled her role as, as a mother to our five children and subsequently as Grammy to our 12 grandchildren. And the reason that this will be her greatest legacy is because she leveraged her God-given attributes as a mother in a way that nurtured, protected, and guided our children down a pathway of not just knowing but serving God. But first, I want to show you from God's Word where these motherly attributes came from. And, And to do that, we need to go back to the beginning, the very beginning. Genesis 1, verse 26, Then God said, Let us, now notice the plural form of the pronoun here, It's referring to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man, and and the word man here is not the word for male. Uh, It's actually the word for mankind. So it's not gender specific. Some translations use the word mankind, which is really a better translation. So let us make mankind in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man, mankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Now watch this next statement. Very important. He created them male and female. He created them. So God created males and females. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? Yeah, it says God created males and females. Now, yes, we refer to God as our heavenly father, and we know that the father and the son, Jesus, are one and the same. But dear ones, God is not just a male. God is not just male. The Bible describes him as being both male and female. Yes, we do call him father. I get that. I'm not proposing that we neuter God and start calling him heavenly mother. No, that's that's not what I'm saying. God is, I'm telling you, God is both male and female. And besides, come on, common sense tells us that God had to be part female to create females because males don't understand females, right? 
So real quick, I want us to look at two things, two characteristics of God that he instilled in mothers and then look at some scriptures that, that verify this fact that, that God has both male and female attributes. This first attribute is no, mothers know. Mothers know. You ever heard of this thing called mother's intuition? You ever heard that phrase? Mom's intuition. God created moms, actually women in general, with this, this invisible antenna. I call it this invisible antenna that's able to pick up on things that no one else can pick up on. Growing up as a child, come on, were there not times that your mom read your mind? You were thinking about something and she calls you out on it and you were like, how'd she know? That was that God-given attribute that, that she had. And uh, sometimes that motherly attribute comes back to bite us as fathers, doesn't it? But anyway, uh, like those times, like uh, we'll be at a, a dinner party or a uh, district council function or something like that. And uh, I'll be talking with, you know, some of the guys, maybe some other pastors or something. And Sue's talking with some of the other pastor's wives. And, and, and while I'm talking with the guys, I'll get this idea of, of saying or doing something that I think will be funny and entertaining. <laughs> and so, uh, but before I act on this, uh, I just kind of glance across the auditorium or wherever we're at. Maybe it's you know, someone's house. I'll just kind of look across the room and, and Sue will be looking at me. <laughs> and, and she'll be doing this. <laughs> and, you know, I, I play dumb to say myself, what? Well, I, I wasn't going to do anything, you know. As that old wise patriarch Homer Simpson once said, you couldn't fool your mother on the foolingest day of your life, even if you had an electrified fooling machine. <laughs> Moms are the closest thing that we have to omniscience on this planet. Moms are all-knowing. They're all-seeing. Moms know what their kids are thinking. They know what their husband's thinking. They even know what other women are thinking. <laughs> they do. I'm telling you, men can't do that. Men don't know what other men are thinking. And frankly, we don't care. <laughs> right? We don't care. Women care and women know. Not only that, they want to know what you're thinking, right, guys? They want to know what you're thinking, right? Women want to know what their man's thinking. And when they ask us, when they ask us, well, what is our answer, guys? Nothing. <laughs> what you thinking about? Nothing. And, and, and here, here's what you need to know, ladies. I'm, I'm going to set the record straight here. When you ask us what we're thinking and we say nothing, we really mean nothing. <laughs> And if anyone, if anyone should know that guys have the capacity to not think, it's you wives, right? How many times have you asked your husband, what were you thinking? <laughs> well, I wasn't. That's the problem. We weren't thinking. And women know your thoughts, and they got that from God. Matthew 9, 4, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Luke 5, when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Luke 6, 8, but he knew their thoughts. Luke eleven seventeen. but he knowing their thoughts. Jesus was fully man, but fully God as well. And it wasn't the man, listen, it wasn't the man part that knew their thoughts. Moms have an uncanny ability to know. It's something that, that God, who is both male and female, created them with. Now, at this point, you might be wondering why this should be encouraging to us, the fact that, that moms know everything, or more specifically, that God knows our thoughts. 
I'll tell you why this should be encouraging to us. Because in the same way that a good mother knows your thoughts, listen, in the same way that a good mother knows your thoughts and loves you anyway, so does God know your thoughts, know our thoughts, and he loves us anyway. So point number one, moms know. Second point, real quick, moms care. Mothers care. A couple of years ago, I was watching the evening news, national news, and one of the stories they covered was about a child that had been left in a locked car. I think this was down in Houston. A child had been left, and this was in the middle of the summer, South Texas. Child had been left in, uh, got locked in the car, and it was the, the mom, the child's mom and her sister uh, were with this, this child, this 10-month-old child, They got out of the car to go shopping. The aunt carelessly locked the keys in her car somehow while the baby was still sitting in the car seat. Once they realized what had happened, they frantically tried to get someone to to help them to figure out a way to get the infant out of the sweltering heat inside the closed and locked vehicle. So there were these people, other shoppers started gathering around the car, trying to help them out. No no one one knew what to do, how to access this infant still stuck in the, the hot and getting hotter by the minute car. Someone had already called the police. They could hear the sirens in the background getting closer. About that time, a guy in a pickup came driving by. He saw what was happening. He pulled out a crowbar out of the back of his pickup, went and busted out the window on the opposite side of the car seat and rescued the infant. Now, sadly, that kind of thing happens numerous times during the summer months. So what was so newsworthy about that? What, what did this particular incident, what, what, what caused this to make the national news? What was newsworthy was the fact that while the mom was ecstatic to get her infant daughter back, the aunt who owned the car was angry. She wanted the pickup driver who busted out the window to pay for her broken window. What does that situation show us? It shows us who the mother was. Her sister, the aunt, was concerned about the car and who was going to pay for, pay for a broken window. The mom could care less about the car in the window. She was just thrilled to get her child back safe. That kind of reminds me of a story in the Bible where a couple of women brought a child to Solomon, King Solomon. Both of them claimed to be the child's mother. Well, obviously, they both couldn't be the the mother. So Solomon says, finally, after all this, trying to reason with them and so far, Solomon says, okay, go get a sword. Let's cut the child in half and give half to each one, each of the women. At that point, one of the women said, that sounds fair to me. The other woman said, oh, don't do that. Let her have the baby. Solomon said, give her the baby. That's the mom. How did he know? Because that woman cared. That mom cared. So where do women, where do moms get this caring attribute? Did they not get it from God? Did they not get it from God? Who cares about us, his children? But I think far and away the most telling and in some ways even shocking verse that describes the female attribute of God is found in a statement that Jesus made once. Matthew recorded it for us. It's found in Matthew 23, 37. Jesus said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I, and remember, this is Jesus speaking here. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing You see what Jesus is saying there? He's saying, I want to care for you the same way a mother hen would care for her chicks. I have that kind of care and concern for you. Like a hen. He didn't say a rooster. 
said, like a hen. Moms know and moms care. So um, at this point, uh, I'm going to have the uh, matriarch of our family come up and, and join me. And uh, going to uh, kind of interview her. Um, make, sure, make sure we stay in the camera. Are we good, Mike? Okay. Oh, where's the handheld mic? We need the, oh, it's right there. And before her, I introduce her, I wanted to uh, read from the resume of the biblical definition of a virtuous mom. Proverbs 31, 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. And then the very next verse, verse 29, many women have done excellently, but you, honey, have surpassed them all. So, all right, uh, what was your first impression of me? <laughs> well, well, um, is it, is it on? I guess we need to use, we need the wireless mic. Because my youngest son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here he is. Oh. <laughs> I'm thinking that might have been staged right there. about your mom and how, how you were raised. Well, um, my parents are amazing and my mom is wonderful. Um, we, I feel like we had a traditional, traditional, I was raised very traditionally and grew up in church and uh, my mom had, my mom was, did not grow up in church but had gotten saved at the age of 12. On the same day, her mother got saved who she was 51, I believe, and got saved on the same day. Um, at a VBS, and so then my parents, when they married, they my dad became a Christian at that time as well. So I grew up in a Christian home, even though neither one of my parents did. So, um, and I was very close to my mom. And in high school, particularly, she we moved a lot, and she was my best friend. Okay. Um, which child is your favorite? They may tell you that Evan, our oldest son, is the favorite. It's really not true. They're all my favorite. I love them all. 
What was one of your biggest fears as a mother? Tell us uh, about a particularly challenging season of parenting. Well, I feel like there were challenges through a lot of seasons. Um, sometimes when you're raising a family, and I was a home educator, so I had all the kids home with me every day. Um, I remember an instance when I was trying to homeschool, and our youngest son on that day poured liquid Tide in the dryer, and then he also spilled a whole bottle of glue on the carpet in his brother's room. Now, that was just a little challenge because that's not a big deal. But it was, it was challenging at the time to try to do everything when you're raising your family. Um, I think it was challenging to raise a preteen daughter. And uh, I remember thinking one time, um, seems like she always wanted to have the last word. And I was in her room and I walked out, I said to her, and this is, sounds terrible, but I said, I'm walking out now because I would just soon slap you and look at you. <laughs> and I walked out of the room before I did something stupid. <laughs> so, um, and I think another challenging time was kind of like the college years when you kind of don't have the control that you did when they were younger. And that was just a time of trusting Jesus that, you know, and praying for all those kids that are not under my roof anymore. So I think that's a hard time. How did you cultivate a healthy marriage? While raising five children. How did you invest in, in our marriage while raising five children? Well, the very best thing that ever happened to Curtis and I was a symbolist of God marriage encounter. And if you guys know us at all, you're going to hear that over and over because it changed our marriage. And basically, I think before that, we were just doing our thing. We were trying. We were busy, busy, busy with five kids raising our family. And, and uh, then God just put marriage encounter in front of us, and we fell in love with it. And on that weekend, I, God did a miracle um, in my heart. And then we began to apply the things that we learned, and we learned how to communicate in a way that was very productive. So um, if you haven't been to Marriage Encounter, <laughs> that's what I say. I don't have any way, other way to say it. Go to Marriage Encounter. Get the tools to help you to learn how to communicate in a healthy way. Because um, I, I think our communication before that was not always healthy. Or we just were like stuffers. Just no. never talked about anything. So um, we learned how to help have a grow in our communication skills. Yeah, and, and I'll just interject here because uh, let's be honest, the guys are, usually the, the wife is willing to go to a marriage encounter weekend or any kind of you know marriage seminar or whatever. But, uh, um, and, and I was no different. I mean, uh, I, we had a good marriage. I mean, she was, we had a good marriage. So I'm kind of thinking when she asked about going, I'm thinking, I got, gosh, does she? not think we have a good marriage or something. But it's, it's not about where your marriage is at now. It's, it's about, it can always get better. 
no matter where you're at, doesn't matter how good of a marriage you have, it can always get better. And, and so uh, that's why I just try to encourage the guys, you know, what, what's, what's your marriage worth to you? You know, is, is it worth investing in a weekend? And so, uh, again, I would just encourage you to, uh, if you have not been to a marriage encounter weekend, uh, prayerfully consider uh, going to one because it, it's, a, it's a game changer. It really will. No matter where your marriage is at, marriage is, it, it, will, it will benefit you. Um, it's a lot to imagine four teenage boys in the house at one time. What was that like and how did you feed them all? No, no. And we, we spent a lot of time in the gym because all the boys played basketball and kind of had calendars that coordinated where everybody was at, what games we were going to be at, spent a lot of time in the car. I got to know a lot of areas going to camps and oh, driving them to practices and um, skills camps and whatever it was. Our life was really just around a lot about basketball. Um, and... Well, as far as uh, how did you feed them all, um, I, I will say that um, to me, uh, the definition of a good cook is is someone who puts together good meals who doesn't have much. And and we had when I was going to school, um, we uh, when I went back to school to finish my degree, started out we had Chelsea and Evan, uh, and then when I was at seminary, uh, Kyle was born. So. So yeah, I mean, we had a family and, 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 and we didn't have much. And, uh, but it's not like I ever came home at the end of the day and, and said, hey, well, you know, you, where, where's a good meal at? I mean, she was always able to put together great meals with very limited resources. So to me, I think to me, anyone can be a good cook. Well, most people could be a good cook if you have, you know, an, you know, one of those TV shows where you just go open up a cabinet and everything's there. We didn't have a whole lot. And yet she, she made very uh, fulfilling and, uh, Filling good, good meals for us. So um, what are some ways that parenting and being a mom has changed as the kids have grown through different stages of life? What's your favorite part of parenting adult kids and having grandbabies? Well, being a Grammy, I guess, is my next favorite thing after being a mom. And um, I enjoy all of the, I enjoy my 
absolute love. Um, I love all the kids. I love to see my grown children interacting with, with each other and when they're talking about and just getting together and they are having fun and the talking is a little crazy. Actually, when we get together, it's a little crazy because there's so many of us. But um, enjoy, I enjoy hearing them talk about um, the things of the Lord with each other and what God is doing. I mean, of course, they're talking about basketball and everything else. But um, So I enjoy that, and I also just enjoy the times with my grandchildren, too. What would you, well, we'll finish with this one here. What would you say to someone that's struggling as a parent to know if they're raising their kids right or maybe that feels inadequate and, and hopeless at times? Well, I can promise you, if you are a mom, there will be times you feel inadequate. There, it does, you will feel inadequate. There, it just, it's a fact. Because, um, but those times will push you to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Just go to Jesus and say, I need help. for us and he wants to help us through every every season and I remember as when my kids were little this is um, I remember thinking how do you raise children I read a lot of books I was a total reader of everything about about raising children but I kept thinking what did God's word say about Jesus growing up and I was like so I found a verse and it said that that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So I began at a very young, my children were very young, I began to pray that over them every single day. Every night when they went to bed, especially the four boys. I was like, Jesus helped them to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And I believe God answered my prayer. You know, I look at my kids now and I'm like, they're amazing. They married amazing people. And, uh, yeah, so pray, number one, because you will feel inadequate. Promise you that. Okay. Um, thank you uh, for coming up and joining me. Yeah. Uh, so as we kind of wrap things up here, uh, stay up here. No, 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 no. Get back up here. Um, as we uh, go ahead and have a seat here. Um, as we wrap things up, uh, Sue and I want to, uh, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for all of our moms. Yes, for sure. But we also want to pray for those of you who have perhaps um, had a miscarriage or miscarriages uh, or those who might be dealing with uh, infertility issues as well. And this day is more a reminder of that pain and, and heartbreak than a celebration. Um, your plans and hopes and dreams you had for celebrating on this weekend, but due to circumstances and situations that we'll never know this side of heaven uh, have prevented you from doing so. So listen, please please know that, that you're still celebrated. We want to celebrate you as well, okay? Family church is a safe place. It, it, it's, it's not a parade of perfection, okay? Uh, and you're still a mother to us, so listen to your pastor when he tells you to go ahead and enjoy this day. Go ahead and enjoy this day and continue to walk in the hope and trust we have in Jesus Christ as you pursue that God-given role and desire for motherhood, okay? So, let's pray. 
Lord, I do pray for all the moms and all the wannabe moms and those here with us as well as those from our eCampus church watching online this morning. I pray that you would bless each one regardless of how they view themselves or measure themselves as a mom. I pray that you would impart to each mom a sense of honor and respect this day that we've set aside to recognize the God-ordained role of motherhood and help all of us to recognize that those nurturing traits came from you, God, who relate to us much in the same way a loving, caring, nurturing mother would care for her children. And if you're here with us this morning or from our eCampus church and you're not right with God or maybe you've drifted from God, I want to pray for you as well. In fact, I'd like to lead you in a prayer that will bring you to or perhaps back into a right relationship with God. So if that's you, would you just be willing to um, say this prayer with me? You can say it out loud. You can say it in your mind. You say it doesn't matter. What matters is that you believe it in your heart. It's you believing what God says about you and his desire to have a personal relationship with you. So would you just pray this prayer with me to say, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm not where I should be with you. That my sin and some of the choices and decisions I've made have separated me from you. And, and I want to receive the care and help that you offer those who would simply come and ask you into their hearts, into their lives, the same way a loving mother cares for and helps their children. I'm asking you, Jesus, to forgive me, to fill me with your Holy Spirit, and help me to live my life for you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.